Alright, well, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us live on our YouTube channel, our Facebook. Maybe you logged in through our Roku. I'm so glad that we have the opportunity in this day and age to engage with you. I've got some help back here. They're taking notes with me, taking notes with you. I want you to know that this service and this message, that worship service, it has been prayed for. In fact, if you didn't get an opportunity, every week for the next few weeks, we will be going live at 8 o'clock in the morning for a prayer service for the 9.30 and 11.15 services. So we kept our service times um, usual, normal for all of our New Hope family. Again, that's a live prayer service at 8 o'clock and then our 9.30 and 11.15. We want to encourage you to gather your family Form watch groups on Facebook with your friends. Do whatever you have to do to be creative in gathering together. Remember that God is not physical alone. The Bible says that He is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So whether you're watching right here with us or you're watching there in your living room, maybe you're even alone in your home. I want to remind you right now, you're not really alone. The Spirit of the Lord is with you. And the Bible says where the Spirit is, there is freedom. This is how we're going to operate. This is the church that we're going to be for the next few weeks. If you will, turn in your Bible to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And then you can flip over to one of our minor prophets. We're going into a series. We planned this perfectly. Not really. God did that. But we're going to a series called Fish Stories. And today... I want to preach to you a message called Speaking Through the Seas. Speaking Through the Seas. James chapter 1, beginning, I believe, in the fifth verse. The Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. This version I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it doesn't even say don't let your faith be wavering. Because often I always thought like my faith would be wavering about with the seas to and fro. As life comes and ebbs and flows, so would my faith. But what James was really trying to communicate here is that he didn't want our faith to waver between God and other things, between God and other situations, between God and other people. When you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Your substance, your security, and your hope are in Him. And do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world. You can see the picture, if you will, of maybe since we're in South Louisiana, a small little Piro floating down a very large bayou because it's hard to see seas in South Louisiana. But you can see bayous. Imagine if that bayou 
It doesn't normally have waves, but for some reason we've had excess floodwaters because people keep praying for rain. Hey, by the way, whoever's praying for rain in South Louisiana, you pray for the suppression of this virus and we're through with it because we can't get it to stop raining down here. But if you will, imagine this Piro floating along on this bayou and this bayou is flooded, it's overrun, and the waves of this bayou are throwing this small boat and the individual in it to and fro. And James says, the answer to you staying stable amidst the waves, amidst the seas, amidst the storm, is that you would ask God for wisdom and that you would hone in on him and that your faith and your belief and your loyalty would not be divided. In fact, it would be stable and secure. It would be steadfast. Not in what's going on, but in who's with you no matter what's going on. Don't let your loyalty be divided between God and the world. They are unstable. That person is unstable. I want to remind you, I believe right now that God is speaking through the seas. We wrote this message several weeks ago. We fine-tuned it over the last 48 hours for such a time as this to speak into your hearts and your lives. I want you to understand that God knew what was coming before we even knew what we were planning for. But when we were listening to him, he led us to this point. And as we say often here at this church, he's not going to leave us in a place that he's led us to. He's going to empower us all the way through. But I want you to understand something if you're taking notes today. Our stability is subject. Our stability in the storm of life, it's subject. It's subject to our loyalty. It's, it's subject to our devotion. It's, it's subject to us asking for wisdom from God. It's subject to us listening and hearing from God. There's this mentality I'm going to address, address quickly. There's these two ideas when it comes to hearing from God that I, I really believe that we need to overcome. The first idea is that God doesn't speak the way that he used to speak anymore. He doesn't speak the way that he spoke in the Old Testament. He doesn't speak in the way that he does in the New Testament. And if you're listening and you feel that way, I respect your opinion, but my personal interpretation of Scripture is that that is not biblical. That there is nothing in scripture that says that God doesn't still speak through visions. There's nothing in scripture that says that God doesn't still speak in a whisper, in a thought, in a picture, in an idea. There's nothing in scripture that says that God doesn't still speak through dreams. In fact, the Bible says in the last days when turmoil is at its pinnacle, the Holy Spirit will come upon all people and it is actually in that time of the last days that God will speak in dreams and in visions. And I believe that God is leading people and still speaking to people. And the question is not whether God is speaking, the question is are we listening? Are we hearing from him or is our loyalty divided? The second idea that I believe that we need to overcome is that when God speaks or when God decides, we don't have any choice. I, I believe we do. I believe we have a choice in how we respond to recommendations from our government. I believe that we have a choice. And by the way, we should respond honorably. I believe that we have a choice in how we respond to somebody's social media post. I believe that we have a choice on whether we're going to let 
the identity of the church be confined to four walls or whether we're going to find new ways together. No matter what we see on the outside, will we continue to reveal the light of God to the other people that are around us? I believe that when God speaks, we have a choice. It's not predetermined, as some people may think. I believe that God has a plan, and He has a purpose, and He can bring reason to everything that happens. But I believe we have a choice to obey or to come up with an excuse. In the book of Jonah, we see the story I really think of an unstable prophet. This wasn't a man that had a hard time hearing from God. He, it wasn't a man that even had have a hard time speaking on God's behalf. But he still seemed to be an unstable prophet. He wasn't unstable because of what was going on. Jonah was unstable because of the fact that he did not listen to what God said in the midst of what was going on. He didn't listen to what God wanted to do in and through him. We see this all the way into the last verses of Jonah. The instability is God still, even after the story is seemingly over and God has revealed himself to Jonah, he's still having to correct Jonah. In verse 9 of Jonah chapter 4, the Bible says God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry? About a plant? <laughs> is it right? Said the Lord. It is, Jonah said. It is. I deserve to be angry. And Jonah looks back at God and says, I'm so angry about this, I wish I were dead. Verse 10, Jonah chapter 4, verse 10 says, But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. This thing that you didn't tend to, that you didn't make grow. Hey guys, I know this is a little bit sensitive right now, but I'm telling you, we wrote this several weeks ago. We've been planning for this. You're concerned about things that you didn't even plant. You're losing things that you had put your security and your hope in. Some things are passing and some stability is being removed. Some waves are causing some tension and some storms are causing some stirring. And God is saying in this moment, Listen, you think you did that, but you didn't really do it. That was me providing for you and your family. That was me providing for you in the workforce. That was me providing for your help and your health. That wasn't you. You shouldn't be angry about this. You didn't tend to it, and you didn't make it grow. Well, Chris, I worked hard. I put forth a lot of effort. You don't understand how much investment I had into this. I just understand that anything that we accomplish in this world is because God gave us the ability to accomplish it. And I decided to put my faith and my trust in Him and not just take Him at His word, but hold Him to His word. And I believe that God will take us all the way through to the other side. The Bible says that plant sprung up overnight and it died overnight. Verse 11, Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? Should I not have concern for the people that already weren't in the church walls? The people that were already watching from the outside wondering if anybody cared? Should I not have concern for Nineveh in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left? And also many animals. See, the problem with Jonah is that Jonah took the opportunity amidst devastation to try to show the world what they deserved. And I don't believe that that's God's calling for the church at this time. 
In fact, I believe more than ever that when we want the world to get what they deserved, God wants to use us to give them what he desires. God wants to shift the focus. He wants us to begin to actually become the church outside of the walls and accomplish what he called us to. I want to ask this question. You may want to write this down. What if we became more concerned with who people needed? What if we became more concerned with who people needed than what they deserve? See, I I understand we need to talk about sin and and we need to talk about eternal separation from God. We just spent an entire series on purity and the importance thereof. But we also need to talk about the win. What's the victory? Where's the purpose in God's calling? And I believe that when we as a church divide our loyalty and we get distracted and discouraged and even maybe become divided that when we don't listen we all begin to lose the devil is no longer trying to get us to do something that will humble us he never has the devil's not trying to get us to do something that will make us uncomfortable every time that god speaks we have a choice we have an opportunity I'm going to give you four things before we close this message today that I believe may happen according to this story if we look at this unstable prophet, this unstable disciple, this unstable believer. And I get that even amongst the people that say that they believe in God and have surrendered their lives to him, amidst all of those people, there's a lot of instability right now. And I'd be lying if I wasn't one of them. But God... I believe when God speaks, number one, it may not be comfortable. It may not be comfortable. God will ask us to do things we don't want to do. I'll give you an example. I'm going to ask for some help back here. Um, Any of you have just some kids running around? I know we got some workers right now. We got a specific, we've got a daycare worker right now. And those places are busier than they've ever been. And I don't know if you have three kids in your home like I do. And I almost feel bad saying this because my wife has really been tending to them a lot more than I have over the last few days. But when you take children and you confine them to a certain space for too long of a time, those babies get a little bit stir crazy. In fact, they go absolutely buck wild berserk is what they do. And they're hard to contain and they're hard to control. And so as a parent, if you have those children, you're trying to speak to them and you're trying to get them to do things that you know they need to do, but they don't want to do because they're just going crazy because they're stuck and they're not where they want to be. They're not getting to do what they want to do. And often that same thing will happen with us. We get into this life routine and we have a certain way that we want to do things consistently at a certain time. And then all of a sudden, God speaks, and it causes us to become uncomfortable. God speaks, and he begins to ask us to do things that we don't want to do. I don't want to get up and help take care of things. I I don't want to go out and try to be the light in the darkness. I don't want to stay home and have church online. Come on, somebody. Preaching in people's living rooms today. Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. God says to Jonah, Get up, go to the great city of Nineveh, announce my judgment against it, 
because I've seen how wicked its people are. Now quickly, what you've got to understand about Nineveh is that it was a part of the Assyrian Empire. This was not a place of peace. It was a place of torture. When Nineveh came in and took over, they cleaned house. They left no remnant. They left no evidence. Jonah was being called to go and share the gospel with people that he knew didn't want to hear about it. Jonah was being called in the midst of persecution, in the midst of people being tortured in his time to go and share the gospel, to go and share his story, to be uncomfortable so that God could speak. And Jonah had a legitimate reason to say no to Nineveh, but he had a call and he heard God tell him to do something. I would venture to say that over the next few weeks, you're going to hear God speak. If you'll take advantage of some of the time that you have, God's going to speak to you and he's going to tell you to do something. He's going to tell you to be faithful in areas maybe that you weren't faithful before. He's going to tell you to be, continue to be faithful in areas even though you don't feel like you can continue to be faithful in those areas. When God speaks, it may be something that we don't want to do. But Jonah had a call from God. Number two, when God speaks, it will challenge our current direction. Will challenge our current direction. I married my bride in 2008, and, and I knew that I had a calling at that time. At least I'm still trying to figure out whether I do or not. I really feel like we do, but it was that answering that call to ministry, and we were driving down the road, and we were having this conversation, and, and Megan got on to me. She said, Chris, every time that you say, I, I know I'm called, we're supposed to do this, the peace comes and the anxiety lifts, and then you shift back and forth because you, only, you have a political science degree, and all you know how to do is play baseball, and et cetera, et cetera. Why don't you just surrender and answer the call, and let's do what God's telling us to and I looked back at my very pure and innocent 24-year-old bride and I said, the reason that I'm not willing to do it is because of you. And she looked with confusion in her face. I could tell that that answer caught her off guard. See, I knew that I was called to take care of her first and foremost. And I knew that she didn't want to leave her hometown. And she didn't want to sell everything that we owned. That she wanted to be in ministry but it was going to affect the current direction of our lives. And we didn't know what that direction was going to be. And it was in that moment in our car together that we decided to answer God's call. God will go anywhere and will do anything. As long as you go with us, we'll go. When God speaks, it will challenge your current direction. The Bible says in verse 3 of Jonah chapter 1, Jonah got up and he went in the opposite direction. To get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Jonah would have taken a full year to try to travel to Tarshish. But about halfway there, God's will began to take hold of his life. And God's will began to take hold of his heart. When we're on a boat and it feels like we're off to a good start. Man, I've got this. This feels good. It feels right. It must be right. I can promise you, friend, that just because your feelings tell you to do something doesn't mean that that's what faith is telling you to follow. 
And we can't be distracted, especially right now, by our feelings. We've got to be willing to follow our faith, be comforted by the comforter, and not walk in our own direction and in our own desires. We can't confuse the two. We can't confuse what feels good and what feels right with what God has called us in His goodness to be righteous. We've got to live out His will for His sake, especially in the season and the storm. Number three, when God speaks, it will get our attention. Now, this would probably be funnier with more people in the room, but you guys can laugh with me right here, and then you can laugh in your living rooms and tell us about it in the comments. <laughs> but just a few days ago, I, I told you we've got a, a few stir-crazy children in our home, and it's like they multiply on occasion. People just show up, and they got more kids. And we keep it under 10, though, just making sure you guys understand. Small spaces, 10 Large rooms, 50 or less. They change it, we'll do that too. But I told my son, I said, hey, Gabriel likes to, y'all don't, don't raise your hand and look, don't, don't point, okay? I don't know where we went, but wherever we are, don't point, okay? Don't take names right here. One of my children, the only boy I have, I already said his name, but I'm going to try to protect him from this point. He just don't, he doesn't like clothes, He's, I mean, he's a child. He's innocent. He, he doesn't like clothes. And, and he will run around like, I mean, all week in nothing but a pair of Captain Underpants. Anybody seen Captain Underpants? Great movie. really is. It's pretty funny. The show is goofy, but the show, the movie's actually pretty funny. Gabriel actually has Captain Underpants underpants. They are the real deal. And that's what he likes to wear. The problem is he doesn't know whether he should wear those when we're just hanging out or when somebody comes over. So somebody's over, there's other kids, Gabriel's running around in Captain Underpants, happy as a lark. He's innocent, he knows no difference. So I said, Gabriel, bro, there's other people here, man. You got to go put some clothes on. You can't run around all over the place in front of other people in your underpants. Daddy's not in his underpants. Go put some shorts on. And he goes, oh, and then runs off. He picked up his blanket on the way out, and he ran, but then he stopped because he's a kid, and he's easily distracted, just like the rest of us. And I said, Gabriel, go put clothes on, man. He's like, oh, okay. And he goes out the door. A couple of minutes later, he comes walking down the hallway. He's still holding his blanket in his underpants. I'm like, I'm th I know I told this dude to put some clothes on, that there's other people here. So I haven't seen my children a lot in the last few days, so I'm trying not to come home and just spank them and fuss at them every time I see them because they stir crazy or than normal, okay? So he's in his underpants. He walks past me. I'm like, this dude, he wants me. He wants me to lose it on him. He's asking for me to whip his tail. That's what he wants me to do. So I take a deep breath because I don't like to punish my kids when I'm mad. And I walk over and I take my finger. You guys remember that pointer finger that your parents would get when you did something that you weren't supposed to do? What is it about the boniness of the pointy finger? 
I mean, it feels like they are hitting you with one of those police nightsticks whenever they poke you with it. I walked up behind Gabriel and I said, on his shoulder, y'all, you'd have thought I hit him with a two by four. Crow hopped him and brought it down on his shoulder. Ha! I just poked him. Hey! He turned around. I said, go put some clothes on. He said, oh, oh, we've had this conversation, bro. Like four times now we've had this conversation. He didn't listen. He didn't want to hear what I had to say. I had to get his attention. I didn't want to hurt him. It did hurt him. But I wasn't trying to hurt him. I was trying to help him. And the people around him better seeing him in his underpants. I wasn't mad at him. I wasn't trying to punish him. I was just trying to make sure that he heard what I said. Because I needed him to accomplish something. That is what I believe God is doing for Jonah in this moment. In chapter 1 verse 4, the Bible says the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea. Causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. And I believe that sometimes it is the tragedies in our lives. It is the pokes from our father that get our attention when we're headed in the wrong direction. That get our attention when we're operating in our own comfort. That get our attention when we're accomplishing our own plans. And when our loyalties, as James said, are divided and our faith rose and is tossed to and fro with the waves. What if God's just calling me to listen over this time period? What if God's just trying to help me? What if my listen is really evidence of my love? I don't know how you feel when other people don't listen, but it bothers me. My listen should be a reflection of my love. When I stop and I listen, it means I care more about what you have to say than what I have to say. I love you more than I love my own opinion. And when we stop in this season and we take time to hear from God, we take time to evaluate our current direction, our current comfort, I believe that God will honor it. If my listen is evidence of my love, then how much do I love God right now? How much am I loving my Father, the Son, and His Holy Spirit? God shouldn't have to send us to our room to get us to listen. Now hear me, I'm not saying that God struck the world with a virus. It's not at all what I'm saying. Because I do believe that God right now wants us to take the time to evaluate. He's changing everything. He's changing how we do church. See, we used to come in to the church and get upset because somebody was sitting in our seat. Who are all these new people? Where'd they come from? Why are we playing these new songs? Why we got LED lights instead of fluorescence? Everybody knows fluorescence is more spiritual than LEDs. Why we got smoke? Man, we used to make it on a dirt floor in a tent. I don't know why they got to make smoke. We're trying to get people to quit it. New things. 
new places. See, right now, we're not talking about new people sitting in our seats. We're talking about no people sitting in our seats. God's not just trying to help us get used to new people. He's trying to help us get used to a new way of being the church. I don't walk in the building where I don't even recognize my church anymore. Our church ain't even here right now. You're there. But thank God the church isn't limited to a building. The church is who you decide to be, where you decide to be it. And obviously, I don't believe that God struck this world with a virus. That's not what I'm saying. But obviously, God wants to get our attention. He wants to challenge our comfort. He wants us to evaluate our current direction, possibly even the way we've been doing church. I walked out of the parking lot last week when we had our third service, and we stayed within all the governmental recommendations for all of those services, just so everybody knows. I walked across the parking lot, and I, I, because I know God still speaks this way, I heard his voice. Not audibly, in my heart, my spirit. He said, hey, good job. Are you glad you got to have church? And I smiled. I was like, yeah, man, I'm glad we got to have church. I'm glad we were able to facilitate through all the different services and the space. And God dropped this on my spirit. He said, good. Because you're about to have to go be the church. You're about to find a new way to do a new thing. What you've been doing is not going to continue to be successful. You got to get out of your comfort zone. See, the sanctuary was turned, I believe, into a place where spiritual people would go to hide so that they didn't have to deal with people that they like, didn't like. And now the sanctuary was taken away. Or was it? Aren't we still the temple of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us? What are we going to do? in this season and in this time? Are we going to ask people and invite people to come to a place where they can receive healing and salvation and a baptism of the Holy Spirit? Are we going to ask them to come to a place, a physical place, where they can hear the gospel? Are we going to be the place for the hurting, for the worried, for the anxious, are we going to be the people that look like we're rebelling against everything that the society tells us to do? Are we going to be the people that walk in integrity and honor no matter what society tells us to do? He's calling us to do it a new way. Evaluate the way that we've been doing. Get our attention. Verse 12 of Jonah chapter 1. Jonah has a moment of repentance. He says, throw me into the sea. Throw me into the sea. Don't let me stay on this boat. Don't let me stay in this current direction. I'm taking an evaluation right now. I'm not saying that, that this is our fault as that was Jonah's fault. But I have to look at my life and go, God, what was it? What is it that you want to say right now? To me, to our church, to our state, to the state of our nation. What do you want to say? 
What are we, what do we need to hear? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said. It will become calm again. And I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. See, we have to have a moment where we confess the disobedience in our life. We've got to have a moment where we confess our divided loyalties between this world and the wisdom of God. Again, please hear me. It is not my heart to be one of the people that would say, God brought this upon us, repent or die. That's not, that's not the point of this. The point is that we would become like Jonah and take ownership. The point is that we would become like Jonah and not just hear the voice of God, but adhere to the voice of God. Apply that voice to our lives. Change our current direction if we have to. Why? Because the fourth and final point, when God speaks, it's always His best. Even when it doesn't feel that way. You know what, dare I say, especially when it doesn't feel that way. I believe it's always His voice. It's always His purpose. My worst day may be exactly what I need my absolute worst day. So many testimonies over the years. Some people are being stirred right now. And it's heavy. But I would rather carry the weight of this world and be carved back into His image and likeness than make it through this life without any trials because where there is no trial, there is no victory. Where there is no fight, there is no faith. And I believe that God wants to use this as an opportunity to reveal, even at our worst, what we need and what is ultimately His best. Last passage I'll read to you, verse 15. The sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea. The storm stopped at once. What do the seas represent? This is the title of this message. The seas are still speaking. The seas have something to say. God is speaking through the seas. I want you to be able to hear His voice. Why did the storm calm? Just because Jonah took responsibility? Just because he confessed? No. Because he went into what God was using in that moment to get his attention. He began to hear the message that the seas were speaking. And when he responded to the message that God was speaking through the seas, the storm began to take care of itself. The direction began to change. And the story began to be rewritten. It was this that was the turning point for Jonah. The sailors were awestruck because anybody can walk through blessing and praise God. But the sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power through the obedience of the hearer. They offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. I want to remind you as we bring this message to a close. That even in the belly of the whale, God still provided. 
even at his worst moment, God was still faithful. Even if it seemed like it was bad for him. When it seemed like he was off track and he'd never go back, God made a way. God didn't let go. When we disobey, there will always be a consequence every single time. Delayed obedience is disobedience. And if you want to know how stable spiritually you are, if we want to know how stable spiritually we are, all we have to do is look at how we respond when things become unstable. But in the season, in the midst of the tragedy, I believe that God still has a plan. I believe he still has a plan for you. People are losing six figures right now because of what's going on in the world. I believe God still has a plan for you. It's in that moment of brokenness that God will reveal himself to build us up into a place that we would have never been otherwise. I use this final example. There's a specific starfish. You may be able to see that on the screen right now. If you take that starfish and you cut it in a certain place at a certain angle, that starfish that seems broken and split and divided and unable to recover, it actually won't just regenerate. It will begin to grow new. It won't just grow the leg back that you cut off. It will actually begin to grow an entirely new starfish. I don't know who I'm talking to today. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. But I'm telling you, what you thought was breaking you is about to multiply you. What you thought was about to take you out is about to set you up. What you thought was tearing you down and tearing you apart is about to establish a platform in your life to speak the faith that God has been stirring in you. What you thought was about to swallow you, you're going to actually incubate inside of. And what you thought was lost and broken and bound and forgotten is actually about to begin to grow and build. You're not just going to survive for the next seven, eight weeks weeks to months, you are going to thrive as long as you let your loyalty be in the only one that can get you from point where we are to point where he has. It is God who will bring us through this storm and it is he that will calm the seas when he gets ready to. The only question that we have to answer is where will we be when he calms that sea? Will we still be split and divided? Or will we be ready to multiply for the sake of the kingdom of God? Would you bow your head and close your eyes right there in your living room? There may be things going on. I just want to ask you to hone in. If you need to give your life to Jesus today, we're doing church a new way. You can comment. If you're watching on Facebook, you can send us a message on our church, New Hope Church in Eunice our Facebook page. You can send us an email at info at We want to pray for you. You can go online and fill out a prayer request. Go online and fill out a connect card. We want to know where you are spiritually. And before we leave today, we want to pray for you. So if you will, just open up your hands right there with your friends, your family, or maybe it's just you and Jesus. 
and a few thousand people watching online. I hope you sense his presence in the room. Would you pray with us before we leave today? Father, I thank you for each and every person watching right now. God, if there's anybody that's watching online, whatever means that they see this message, I pray right now that we would surrender our all to you. That we would take our loyalty and our faith and our trust and we'd put it wholly in you. I want to invite you to repeat this prayer. It doesn't save you, but there's power in the confession. And what you do with it from this point on could change the direction of your life for all eternity. And God wants to get your feet back on the right path. Let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive me where I've fallen short, where I've been distracted, where my loyalty has been divided. God, take my life. Make it yours. I believe you have the best for me. I surrender. You gave your life so that I could live. So take my life and make it yours. For all the followers of Jesus, I want to encourage you to examine your faith. I want to encourage you to examine your walk. I want to encourage you to evaluate every step that you take, every post that you make, every email, every phone call, every text, every way that you touch somebody technologically over the next few months. Make sure that what you're doing is being heard from God and applied through you. Hey, God bless you again. Thank you for joining us today for worshiping God with your giving, for supporting your church, your pastors, your staff, and missionaries all around the world. We pray a blessing over you, that he would bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that he would anoint you to accomplish his will and to walk in his ways. Even though we can't gather physically in a building right now, that he would still have his power in you to meet people and for all of us to continue to grow closer to God together in Jesus' name.